Hello friend, and welcome to another herb review video. This time we are going over the category downward draining herbs, downward draining herbs. So the first thing we should probably clarify is what do we really mean by downward draining? Because when you hear this term, it's really easy to get confused. You might think downward draining means we're draining dampness or that we're draining fire or draining other things. And that's not necessarily the case. Really, these herbs, these downward draining herbs, what they do is they promote the movement of stool through the large intestine. Basically, these are laxatives. They make you poop. So the Chinese term here is xie xia, and literally xie means drain, and xia means downward, so drain downward. But xie also can mean laxative or diarrhea. So that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about draining dampness and promoting urination. We're not talking about draining fire like we did earlier. Here we're talking about things that make you poop. Or uh, I was reading through the Weissman and Brand Concise Materia Medica, and apparently Nigel Weissman likes to use the term free the stool. So these are herbs that free the stool. And I think that's kind of a funny term. I kind of want to put that on a coffee mug now. So stay tuned. We might have coffee mugs that say, uh, ton bien, free the stool. But so these herbs are promoting movement through the large intestine. Why would we want to do that? Well, the obvious answer would be to treat constipation, that if you have a patient with difficult or infrequent bowel movements, then we would want to promote this movement just to alleviate the constipation. So that's one obvious answer. The other less obvious answer is when we say downward draining herbs, these are herbs that basically we can use them to get evils or get pathogens out of the body most common one is heat. So if you remember, if we wanted to get rid of heat, we have a couple ways to do it. We can promote sweating and vent the heat outward. That's one way to get rid of heat. We can promote urination and drain the heat outward through the urine, like with jirtza, gardenia fructus. Well, this is just another method that we can get rid of heat through the body. We can drain that heat through the bowels by promoting movement through the large intestine to get rid of heat. Maybe we could say more generally, we, don't, we actually don't just do this with heat. We can do this with all kinds of things. So maybe a more general way of describing these herbs is downward draining herbs break up accumulations. The most common accumulation would be stool. It breaks up the stool and pushes it out of the body. But it can also break up accumulations of food. If we have food stagnation, we might use downward draining herbs to break up that food stagnation and get it out of the body. This could be accumulations of heat, like large intestine heat bind. We break up that accumulation of heat. This can be cold. This can also be accumulations of water or phlegm. We can actually drain water and phlegm through the large intestine which sounds kind of gross, actually. So that's what we're doing with these herbs, is we're promoting movement through the large intestine. Mostly we're probably going to use these when we see constipation, but we can also use them in cases to get uh, other pathogens out of the body. Most commonly, we would use heat. So that's what we're talking about today with our downward-draining herbs. Downward-draining herbs. So we see here downward draining herbs promote movement through the large intestine. So we can, we can say they're laxative or the Nigel Weissman term, these herbs free the stool. That if you have this bound up stool or the stool's just not coming out, this frees the stool. Turns the stool into a free and easy wanderer that just 
slides right out of the large intestine. And we say this can be done to relieve constipation, most common one. And we say constipation, we can mean infrequent bowel movements as a person only goes once every three or four days. But we can also say difficult bowel movements. So sometimes you get patients that they say they, they go every day, but it's very difficult to get out. That, those are might be cases where we use these downward draining herbs, or we can use them to get heat or other pathogens out of the body. Again, I think heat is going to be mo the most common one that we can guide it out through the large intestine. But later we'll see with our harsh expellents, we can also guide water out through the large intestine and other other evils or other types of accumulations. So when it comes to downward draining herbs, this category, this is a, a large category with a couple subsections. So we have a few different subcategories of downward draining herbs. They're very different. We use them in different situations, so we need to know the differences between them. We have purgatives, moist laxatives, and harsh expellents. So again, we use these in very different ways in different situations. So we need to be clear about what the differences are. So for, for, for purgatives, these are herbs that strongly purge the large intestine. These are very strong. They're not gentle. Um, the Chinese term here is gong xie yao. So gong, uh, Wiseman translates it as offensive precipitation, but gong also has this connotation of attacking. So when you use these purgative herbs, we're attacking. These are not, these are not gentle. These are not, um, these are not for weak patients. So these, uh, these purgatives are used to treat constipation and clear heat. A lot of these purgative herbs are bitter in flavor. So the bitter flavor has a strong downward direction to move things downward and out the large intestine. But the bitter flavor here is also clearing heat. So we're both dealing with constipation and heat. And sometimes those go together. Sometimes when you got really bad heat, you get constipation. Sometimes you get constipation, it causes really bad heat. So conveniently, it's doing both. But because these are strong attacking herbs, we have to be careful with their use. We have to make sure that the patient is strong enough to handle them. That if you have a weak patient, you don't want to attack a weak patient. If you have an elderly patient, you don't want to attack your elderly patient. If you have a pregnant or postpartum patient, you probably don't want to be attacking your pregnant patients. So we need, when we use these, we want to make sure that we're dealing with usually excess conditions, and we want to make sure that the patient is strong enough and has enough upright chi that they can actually handle these herbs. Otherwise, these herbs can actually damage their constitution. Moist laxatives are just like they sound. They're moist and they're laxative. So these herbs tend to be oily nuts or seeds. And these seeds have oils that lubricate the large intestine and allow the uh, stool to flow outward. It's I guess that's kind of a gross way of putting it, but it gently lubricates the large intestine to relieve constipation. And so this is something that we've maybe seen before, and it's something that we'll see very commonly even in other categories, that when we have herbs that are seeds uh, or kernels, that they often have these oils that can relieve constipation. We saw this before with Neobongza, Arctii fructus, in the cool lacquered release the exterior category. Neobongza is burdock seed, and because it's a seed, it has certain oils, and so it can lubricate the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. 
We could also do this with food therapy. If you, instead of using uh, Chinese herbs, if you wanted to use food therapy, you could think about certain nuts and seeds that are very oily. You might prescribe uh, ground-up sesame seed or walnuts. These are seeds that are very oily, and those oils will lubricate the large intestine or moisten the large intestine to relieve constipation. And then, again, we'll see this come up in later categories, that basically whenever you see an herb that ends in z or zhen, it might be likely that this is a seed that has some oils that, and it will have the action of relieving constipation. So these herbs, because of their oils, they lubricate the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. And these are good for long-standing uh, cases of constipation due to dryness or deficiency. So unlike the purgatives that are very strong, these are much more gentle. They're much better. Instead of attacking the impacted stool, we're just gently moistening things so that they can come out naturally. So this is better for long-standing chronic cases. This is better for elderly patients, patients with deficiency. But what you should keep in mind is that these take a little bit longer to work. Because we're being more gentle, we're gently moistening. It's not like uh, with purgatives. Maybe you take it the night before and you have a bowel movement the next day. Moist laxatives, you might be taking these um, oily seeds for a while before you start to notice some effects. And finally, we have harsh expellents. And again, this is like the name sounds. They're very harsh and they expel. But what we need to know is that harsh expellents, we're not really treating constipation. We're not trying to move stool. Harsh expellents are about draining water and phlegm through the large intestine. And so harsh expellents induce watery diarrhea to drain water from the body. So I tried to use an emoji that's like a peach emoji with uh, water coming out. So basically, these herbs make you pee out your butt. Why would you want to do that? Uh, basically, we tend to use these for situations when we have severe water accumulation in the upper body. Think about like pleurisy and ascites. Pleurisy would be uh, congestion of fluid in the lung. Ascites is uh, water accumulation around the liver. In Chinese medicine, this is called drum distension drum think like a not necessarily like a drum that you play but drum like a barrel uh, like a drum of oil your chest is so puffy and expanded you look it looks like a drum or a barrel because you have all this water accumulation and so we need to very quickly drain out that water the way we do it is through the large intestine make you pee out your butt so these herbs are usually toxic. I think all of them are either toxic or slightly toxic. And so that means we only use them in drastic cases where we have these severe cases of water accumulation. And we tend to use a small dosage. So some of these herbs, because of their toxic nature, we're talking like 0.1 to 0.3 grams or 0.5 to 1.5 grams. So these harsh expellents, because of their toxic nature, tend to have a small dosage. So these are herbs um, divided up into these categories. They're, there's not a whole lot of them, but we have purgatives, uh, four of them, moist laxative, just a couple, and harsh expellents we'll just briefly touch on because I'm not sure how much we actually need to know about those. So 
Let's get into purgatives, our first subcategory, purgatives. Again, these are herbs that strongly purge the large intestine. These are attacking herbs. So when we use these, we have to make sure that our patient is strong enough to handle them, that their constitution can withstand this strong attacking action. So purgatives are tend to be bitter in flavor. And so on the one hand, the bitter flavor clears heat, which is something that we're doing here. We're using these purgatives not only to treat constipation, but to guide heat out of the body. So it's convenient that they're bitter to get rid of heat. But remember that the bitter flavor also has a strong downward action. And so that's what we're doing is we're uh, breaking up these accumulations and sending them downward so they go down and out the large intestine. And so then something we have to be careful of is because of the strong downbearing nature, most of these herbs are going to be contraindicated during pregnancy. That if you have someone who's pregnant, you don't want to send the baby down and outward prematurely. That would be bad in most cases. As for temperature, these are cold because, again, we're not only treating constipation, we're also clearing heat. So that's why these herbs are cold and bitter. Entering channel is obviously the large intestine because these herbs promote movement through the large intestine. So it makes sense they enter the large intestine channel. And again, cautions and contraindications. These herbs are strong, bitter, and have a downward nature. So because of their strong uh, nature, we have to make sure that the patient is strong enough to handle them. If we have a, a weak, elderly, just got over an illness, is pregnant person, we might not want to give them. They might not be able to handle these. These herbs are going to be very cold and bitter, so we have to make sure that the spleen is strong enough to handle them. And again, because of that strong downward nature, most of these are going to be contraindicated during pregnancy. Some of them are actually contraindicated or use caution during breastfeeding as well. So that's something we need to uh, watch out for. And again, these herbs, their action is to strongly purge the large intestine to deal with both constipation and as a way to get heat out of the body. So kind of a dual action here in terms of purgatives. So our first and main one and most common one and is actually a very important herb is Da Huang. Da Huang, Ray Radix et Rhizoma. Da Huang. Da Huang is rhubarb root. So rhubarb root, I think Rhubarb like you make a pie. I think there might be different varieties of rhubarb, so I'm not sure this is the same rhubarb you see in the store that looks like red celery, but Da Huang is rhubarb root. And you can see it has a lot of actions. Da Huang does a lot of things. Uh, all of these actions are important, and we're going to see Da Huang come up in a lot of different formulas because it has so many different actions. So let's go through them one by one. Number one, we say that Da Huang purges the large intestine to relieve constipation. So Da Huang is one of our best herbs for strongly promoting movement through the large intestine and purging the large intestine. In fact, Da Huang is so strong in its action, it's nicknamed the general, that it's like a, a general pushing right through. It's not, this is not a weak or gentle herb, this is a very strong herb. So it, we could even say it strongly purges the large intestine to relieve constipation. And it turns out that Da Huang is our kind of representative herb for Yang Ming bowel disease in the Shanghan Loom. So for Yang Ming bowel disease in terms of the six levels of the Shanghan Loom. So let's review the Shanghan Loom to see what we actually mean here. 
So if you remember when you talk about the Shang Han Luna and the six levels, this is something that we introduced in the uh, War Mac had released the exterior category. This is febrile disease penetrating the body through the six levels. Starts off at the Taiyang level, then goes to Yangming, Shaoyang, Taiyin, Shaoyin, Jueyin. And so we have pathogens penetrating through the six levels. So our first level was the Taiyang level. And if you remember when we talked about Taiyang disease, we said there are two types. There is excess and deficiency. So for Taiyang excess, for both of them, we have fever and chills of floating pulse. But for Taiyang excess, we have fever and chills without sweating or fever and chills and the absence of sweating. And the pulse is going to be floating and tight. So this is an excess pathogen that's blocking the pores so the sweat can't get out. That's why we have no sweating. This is an excess pathogen so the pulse is tight. Tight indicates excess cold. So for that, we used our herb Ma Huang, a Fedra Herba for Taiyang excess. For Taiyang deficiency, uh, we still have fever and chills in the floating pulse, but here it's fever and chills with sweating and a floating weak pulse or a lax or frail pulse. So here we have a deficiency condition because there's deficiency on the exterior. The qi can't hold in the fluid, so the sweat leaks out, but it does so in a way that's insufficient to expel the pathogen. We say a floating weak pulse. This is a case of deficiency, so the pulse feels deficient. And remember the herb we used there was Gui So this is just a review of the Taiyang level. But let's say you have a cold pathogen that attacks the Taiyang level and it doesn't get released and instead it sinks deeper into the body. Well, in that case, the next stop, the next level is the Yang Ming level. And if you remember, we said that Yang Ming level, uh, the pathogen transforms into heat. So Taiyang was cold, Yang Ming is heat. Now we have a heat pathogen. And again, at the Yang Ming level, we have two types. But instead of excess and deficiency, our two types for the Yang Ming are Yang Ming channel and Yang Ming organ or Yang Ming bowel. So maybe we should just say here, uh, the Chinese term here is Fu as in Zhang Fu, the, the organs, the yin and the yang organs. It's just that Nigel Weissman, he says Zhang, the yin organs, he uses the word viscera. And for Fu, the Yang organs, he uses the word bowel. So for Zhang Fu, he says viscera bowel. So when we say um, Yang Ming, we say Yang Ming Fu. So it's the Yang Ming Yang organs. Or we can say Yang Ming bowel. We're just kind of emphasizing the fact that we're talking about the Yang organs. So either one, it means kind of the same thing. We can say Yang Ming organ or Yang Ming bowel syndrome. So if you remember for the first one, Yang Ming Channel, that was our four bigs. Big fever, big sweat, big thirst, and vexation, and a big pulse. And for that one, we used our herbs that drain fire, specifically the herb Shurgao, gypsum fibrosum, Shurgao. We actually paired it with Jermu. We tend to use a combination Shurgao plus Jermu, as in the formula Bai Hutong, white tiger decoction. But that's Yang Ming Channel. Our other option for Yang Ming disease is Yang Ming organ. That's not at the channel level, it's in the organ level. So if you remember, uh, what are the Yang Ming organs? Well, the Yang Ming organs are the stomach and large intestine. So Yang Ming channel is a heat condition. We have heat binding in the stomach and large intestine uh, organs. And so because that heat is binding in those organs, we see things like 
constipation due to heat bind, abdominal pain, all this heat is bound up in the stomach and so we have pain that's worse with pressure, and fever just because of the heat. And so for when it comes to Yang Meng organ disease, our treatment strategy is going to be to purge out that Yang Meng heat, get it out through the Yang Meng organs. So the herb we use is Da Huang Ray Radix et Rhizoma Da Huang Rhubarb Root. This is our representative uh, herb for Yang Meng organ or Yang Meng bowel disease. So when we talk about Da Huang, when we say Da Huang is for Yang Ming bowel disease with fever because of the heat, constipation because there's heat binding in the Yang Ming organs, abdominal pain because there's heat binding in the Yang Ming organs, the stomach and large intestines, that's what we're using Da Huang for. Da Huang purges this heat and gets rid of the constipation. We also say that Da Huang clears heat and drains fire. And then in Bensky, at least, he mentions this as a separate function. But it's kind of like these two go together because it's kind of like by purging the large intestine, that's how we get rid of the heat. We're not venting the heat outward. We're not draining the heat through the urine. The way we get rid of the heat is by purging the large intestine and getting it to go out of the large intestine. But anyway, but I guess the point here is Da Huang, it's not only just for constipation, it's also for, also for situations when we want to clear heat. So this could be heat in the intestines. Again, a lot of times heat in the intestines causes constipation, but it turns out that even if we have damp heat diarrhea, sometimes we'll use Da Huang just to get rid of that intestinal heat. So it might seem kind of weird that we use a purgative when the person has diarrhea, but if it's an excess damp heat diarrhea, Da Huang can still be used to get rid of that heat in the large intestine. And then we can also use it for cases when we have heat in the upper body. Again, this bitter flavor is taking things downward. And so just in situations we don't necessarily want to vent the heat outward or we may not want to drain it through the urine, Da Huang can, its bitter flavor can take this heat downward and guide it out through the large intestine. So it's also for heat in the upper body. And also, like many of our heat clearing herbs, it can also cool the blood to stop bleeding. So if you have heat at the blood level that's causing bleeding, where the blood moves recklessly or frenetically outside of the vessels, we can use Da Huang to cool the blood and stop bleeding. Especially things for like hemorrhoids or blood in the stool, because that's kind of like related to the large intestine. That's where it's acting. Um... So, and like always, when we want to enhance an herb's ability to stop bleeding, we use it in its charred form. So we could char the Da Huang and it becomes Da Huang Tan. And that um, enhances Da Huang's ability to stop bleeding for things like hemorrhoids, blood in the stool, and bleeding in the large intestine. Besides clearing heat, Da Huang also has a very strong action of invigorating blood. And this is actually really important. We can say uh, Da Huang invigorates blood, but I think we can even say that Da Huang strongly invigorates blood. And so we can say this is good for fixed sharp pain, abdominal masses, or amenorrhea due to stagnation. So... If we remember the difference between qi stagnation and blood stagnation, both of them usually cause pain conditions. 
But the difference is with qi stagnation, the pain tends to be more of a dull ache and it's kind of a diffuse area. If you say, where does it hurt? They're like, oh, it hurts kind of right here. Whereas with blood stagnation, instead of a dull ache, blood stagnation, the pain tends to be sharp and stabbing. It tends to be in a fixed location. It doesn't move around. And it's usually something you can pinpoint and say, oh, it hurts right here. And But it tends to be more sharp, stabbing pain. So that is the kind of pain we're dealing with um, for Da Huang in terms of invigorating blood to stop pain. It's that fixed, sharp, stabbing pain that comes along with blood stagnation. Abdominal masses, we're talking about if blood stagnation gets so bad in the lower abdomen, it can cause um, palpable masses or abdominal masses, think maybe like fibroids or something like that. Or amenorrhea, uh, basically patient doesn't have a period or the period is very late just because the blood is so stagnant, it can't come out. So we're not only breaking up the stool to get the stool to come out the large intestine, we're also breaking up the blood so that it can come out during the period. And Dahuang can also be used for injury and trauma. Basically, if you have some sort of hit, knock, or fall, and you have some bruising or some injury, you fall and break your ankle and it's red and swollen, usually our diagnosis there is blood stagnation. And so when we want to heal those injuries, it's very common to use herbs that invigorate blood, herbs like Da Huang. And finally, we can say that Da Huang has some effect on uh, dampness and damp heat. We could say it drains damp heat or dries dampness or transforms dampness. It has something to do with dampness, particularly with jaundice and Lin syndrome. So jaundice, you can think that's uh, when your skin turns yellow. Da Huang means big yellow, so it's good for when your skin turns yellow. You can also think Lin syndrome is dribbling urination. Your urine is yellow. Use the herb with yellow in the name. So that's kind of a... You, a lot of books say that this is kind of a, a lesser used function of this herb, but it turns out we do have like our main formula for jaundice has Da Huang in it, and our main formula for Lin syndrome, Ba Jung San, also has Da Huang in it. So I think this is a, actually something we should pay attention to in terms of getting rid of the damp heat. When you look at the taste and temperature, like we said, these herbs tend to be cold and bitter, which makes sense. It's cold because it's getting rid of the heat. It's bitter because it's getting rid of the heat. It's also bitter because it has a strong downward action to purge the large intestine. When you look at the dosage, uh, we have a pretty large dosage range just because um, people react differently to Da Huang. Some people, a small amount is enough to get things moving right away. Sometimes people need a little bit more in order for it to work. But something that we should pay attention to, I'm not sure if you can read that on these, these slides, but it says for a strong purgative effect, add during the last three to five minutes of cooking. So if we really want to emphasize this action of purging the large intestine, we don't want to overcook Da Hong. We only want to cook it for three to five minutes at the very end of cooking. Or maybe another way of saying this is the prolonged cooking of Da Huang will destroy or at least mitigate its purgative effect. And again, this can be good or bad. So if we want to purge a large intestine, if we have a person with uh, constipation, large intestine, stomach heat bind, and we want to purge the large intestine, then we should add Da Hong during the last three to five minutes. But if we're using it to invigorate blood, if we're invigorating blood, we don't necessarily want to purge the large intestine. So if we're invigorating blood, then we might cook it the whole time to reduce that purgative effect. 
And actually, this will actually come up in some of our formulas as well, that when we're dealing with this Yang Ming bowel condition, that we kind of have two formulas. We have Da Cheng Chi Tong and Xiao Cheng Chi Tong. With Da Cheng Chi Tong, we want to very strongly purge the large intestine. We have very severe constipation, so we need to attack it and push it right out. And with Da Cheng Chi Tong, our instruction is to cook the Da Huang for three to five minutes at the end. But with Xiao Cheng Chi Tong, this is more moderate constipation. We don't necessarily want to strongly attack. We want to just kind of moderately purge the large intestine. And so for uh, Xiao Cheng Chi Tong or Tiao Wei Cheng Chi Tong, our instruction is to cook the Da Huang the entire 30 minutes, and that will kind of lessen some of that purgative effect. So that's another way we can kind of alter the actions of this herb is how long do we cook it. So Da Huang is a very big herb, with a very complex herb with a lot of things, so it turns out we need a second slide to kind of emphasize a few points. So number one, like we said, because it is so strong, Da Huang is nicknamed the general, Jian Jun, the general. So this isn't just a, a, a weak, gentle, you know, a wandering Taoist. This is a general, this is very strong, has a very strong commanding action. So we definitely want to make sure that our patients are strong enough and have a strong enough constitution to handle the general. Da Huang is used for Yang Ming bowel disease, characterized by heat bind in the stomach and large intestine. So again, Yang Ming organ disease, the Yang Ming organs are the stomach and large intestine. When we have heat binding in the stomach and large intestine, we get things like abdominal pain that's worse with pressure and severe constipation. So that's what we use Da Huang for. Uh, because Da Huang purges large intestine and invigorates blood and stops bleeding and clears heat, it's especially useful for large intestine abscess and appendicitis. So I think maybe we talked about large intestine abscess a little bit in the heat toxicity category. Turns out Da Huang is a very good herb to use here as well because when you get large intestine abscess, it tends to be a combination of these things. It tends to be a combination of heat and blood stagnation and bleeding. And so Da Huang is taken care of. Um, all of those at once. It's also purging that out through the large intestine where the difficulty is. Appendicitis. If your patient has appendicitis, send them to the hospital. So this is something that I, I, I think in China, I've had Chinese teachers say that well, when they see patients in China with appendicitis, they will actually, they will first try to use herbs. They'll use herbal therapy and monitor the patient very carefully. And so he said that in his experience, it was like 50-50, that 50% um, of the patients with appendicitis were able to get better with herbs, but the other 50% had to go into surgery and have an appendectomy. That's not how we do it in America. In America, if you have appendicitis, basically our medical system, we can't afford to put someone in a hospital bed and give them herbs for a week and hope it gets better. In America, it's actually cheaper just to give them an appendectomy right away. And I just say this because in terms of appendicitis, uh, actual appendicitis is not that big of a deal, uh, but it becomes a very big deal very quickly if the appendix bursts. And so that can be a very severe situation. So whenever we have symptoms of appendicitis, if we feel this rebound pain in the lower right quadrant, that's a red flag. You send them to the hospital immediately. Don't think about what herbs to use because if their appendix bursts and they die of sepsis, it's going to be your fault. So even though I say appendicitis, call the, send them to the hospital. Don't use Da Huang. But just know that um, we can say this for in terms of education or historically that this 
oh, in China, they might use herbs to treat appendicitis, and this might be one of the herbs that they use. But these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This information not, should not be used to diagnose or treat any condition. Dahuang invigorates blood. We can say it strongly invigorates blood because of its strong moving action and strong downward action with the bitter flavor. It is contraindicated during pregnancy. So this is going to be very important. They like to ask questions about uh, cautions and contraindications. Dahuang is definitely contraindicated during pregnancy, both because it strongly moves the blood or strongly invigorates the blood. Again, if, if we have a, a herb that's good for breaking up abdominal masses, you can see that pregnancy is kind of like an abdominal mass, and we probably don't want to break that up or purge that out. So Dahuang contraindicated in pregnancy. It's actually, we, we should say contraindicated or at least use caution during breastfeeding because it turns out that Dahuang is so strong and so bitter that bitterness can come out in the breast milk and have a purgative effect on the, on the breastfeeding child. So Dahuang, I mean, even if you don't have a breastfeeding patient, uh, the strong, bitter yellowness, Dahuang can actually cause a person's sweat to turn yellow. It can cause the urine to turn yellow. So it can come out in the body fluids, but that includes the breast milk as well. So we need to use caution. I would say contraindicated during breastfeeding. Uh, Dahuang can be used in its charred form to stop bleeding, especially for hemorrhoid and uh, blood in the stool. And we say this is useful because it's it's kind of doing both. It's we're stopping bleeding, but because it invigorates blood, we don't have to worry about causing stagnation. Sometimes when we like stop bleeding or staunch the blood, we have to worry about the blood will become stagnant. Here we're doing both. We're invigorating blood and stopping the bleeding. And again, we can use that in its charred form. And actually, Dahuang is one that we can kind of use all our powder methods, our methods of preparation with Dahuang. So, uh, if we want to emphasize its purgative effect, we would use Da Huang in its raw, unprepared form. If we wanted to use Da Huang to invigorate blood, we might use it a wine-prepared version, prepared in alcohol, or a vinegar-prepared version. Remember, both of these have an action of invigorating blood. Some people say the wine alcohol causes things to go up to the head, so especially if we have uh, things going on in the head, uh, Da Huang will... Um, Cooking da huang with alcohol will help treat those head symptoms, where if we just want to invigorate blood, we might prefer to use vinegar to invigorate blood. And we can use da huang in its charred form to stop bleeding. So we have a whole bunch of different ways we can prepare da huang, depending on which function we want to emphasize. And da huang is good at invigorating blood and clearing heat, so it can be used topically for injury and trauma when there's redness, swelling, and heat, as in the formula san huang san, san huang san, three yellows powder. Uh, if you've read the book uh, Tooth from the Tiger's Dragon by Tom Bizio, this is a very prominent uh, application in there. We nickname it herbal ice. So... This would be like if you fell and twisted your ankle and now it's red and swollen and there's a lot of heat. In Western medicine, they might say, oh, put some ice on it to help with the inflammation. In Chinese medicine, instead of using ice, we might use herbs that clear heat to deal with the redness. But also these herbs have a very strong action of invigorating blood so that can help promote the healing. So that's something to look into um, if you deal with a lot of sports in injuries or if you're into martial arts, there's a whole tradition of treating injury and trauma through various herbs. And Da Huang is one that comes up a lot because it both clears heat to deal with the redness and swelling and also invigorates blood to deal with the swelling, inflammation, and to promote healing. So that is 
Da Huang, Ray Radix and Rhizoma, Da Huang Rhubarb Root. Uh, the name, again, Da means big, Huang means yellow, like we learned the three yellows, Huang Qin, Huang Lian, Huang Bai. This is another yellow, Huang means yellow. So Da Huang means big yellow. So that was Da Huang, Ray Radix at Rhizoma, Da Huang, Big Yellow. Next we have Mang Xiao Natri Sulfus. Mang Xiao Natri Sulfus. Mang Xiao is a type of salt. Mang Xiao is called Glauber's salt. I actually don't know what Glauber salt is, but apparently I think before I said something like Mang Xiao is Epsom salt, and that's not actually actually true. What I meant to say is Mang Xiao is like Epsom salt. Epsom salt is something you can get in the drugstore, and besides relaxing your muscles, it can also be taken internally as a laxative. Here we have the same thing going on with Mang Xiao. It's a different type of salt. Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate. Mang Xiao is sodium sulfate, but it has the same action. You take it internally, and it can work as a laxative to purge the large intestine. Apparently it goes by the name, common name Glauber salt. I've never heard of that before, but apparently that's a thing. So Mang Xiao is a salt. If you remember back to the beginning when we talked about the salty flavor, we said one of the actions of the salty flavor is it softens hardness and purges accumulation. So that is our main action of Mang Xiao is it softens hardness to relieve constipation. So here, I mean, we could say it does have a purgative effect, but kind of the main thing that's going on here is this is a salt, and so it draws water into the area. So if we have some dry, hard, compacted stool, the salt will draw water into the area to soften that stool and then push it out. So that's Mang Xiao, softens hardness to relieve constipation. And it's very commonly combined with our previous one, Da Huang, in order to relieve constipation. We could say this is a Dui Yao pair, that these two reinforce each other. It's kind of like if you have this hard, dry stool, Da Huang softens the stool, and then Da Huang, the general, comes and pushes it out. So we're going to see uh, that's going to be a very common combination when we start looking at formulas that treat constipation using Da Huang plus Mang Xiao kind of as a one-two punch. The other thing about Da Huang is it can clear heat toxicity. This is something that, again, we can use it internally for like large intestine abscess where you have a lot of heat. Uh, theoretically, we could use it for appendicitis, but if a person has appendicitis, send them to the hospital. Um, so it can be used internally. We can also apply it externally to the skin when we're talking about heat toxicity, skin problems it can be applied externally. And if you remember when we talked about the heat toxicity category, clear heat and relieve toxicity, one of the examples of heat toxicity we, we talked about was breast abscess or mastitis. Remember, Pugong Ying, dandelion, was one of our major herbs for treating breast abscess or mastitis, and that was something that we could apply externally. Turns out we can do the same thing with Mang Xiao for um, early stage breast abscess. We say poor lactation. So when Bensky says poor lactation here, the way I interpret that is if you have a bunch of swelling and redness, if you have uh, mastitis or breast abscess, that swelling and that abscess is probably going to interfere with lactation. And so if you use Mang Xiao, that can help with that swelling, redness, and inflammation. And by relieving that inflammation, then the breast milk will flow. I've had some people just say straight up blanket statement, Mang Xiao promotes lactation. 
I wouldn't necessarily go there. I think we have better herbs to do that. If you have a, a patient who's suffering from poor lactation, there's a long list of herbs I would go to first before we go to Mang Xiao. My interpretation of reading Bensky when he says Mang Xiao is good for promoting lactation, what he means is if your patient has mastitis, if your patient has swelling and inflammation that's blocking the flow of milk, then you can use Mang Xiao like externally as a compress to help with that inflammation. And once the inflammation's gone, then the breast milk will flow. If a person has poor lactation due to blood deficiency, don't give them Mang Xiao. So that's what we mean there. So Mang Xiao, when we look at the taste and temperature, it's very cold. You can think that it's a salt. It looks like ice, so it's very cold. It's acrid, uh, dispersing, bitter for its downward. And notice it's also salty in flavor. So Mang Xiao is a type of salt. It is salty in flavor. Mang Xiao has an action of softening hardness and purging accumulation, so it's salty in flavor. And I just kind of emphasize this because I had... This was in some class. I don't know if it was an herb class or review class where it's this. We had this question of like, what is the taste and temperature of Mang Shao? And a bunch of people got it wrong. And it's usually like, it's salt. Mang Shao is salt. Choose the one that has salty in it. There's only one answer that says salty. Mang Shao is salt. Salt is salty. It's not that hard. So I, I just like to include that, that Mang Shao is a salt. So of course it's salty in flavor. But the salty flavor is also alluding to the fact that it softens hardness and purges accumulation, and that's its method of action here. And then we say mang chao is contraindicated during pregnancy as well. I'm pretty sure every herb in this category is contraindicated in, pre in pregnancy, or at least use caution during pregnancy. So mang chao is another one contraindicated during pregnancy. Next we have fan xie ye, senna folium. Fan xie ye, senifolium. Fan xie ye is senna leaf. So this uh, senna leaf, it uh, purges the large intestine to relieve constipation. This is something that you might be familiar with already because um, we use it a lot as a tea. So even if you just go to the grocery store, sometimes they have an herbal tea section and they have like a smooth move tea. Usually that's senna tea. Even when, if you go to the pill aisle where they have natural laxatives like Dulcolax, I think a lot of those are just senna in pill form. So senna purges the large intestine to relieve constipation. And it does it by promoting movement. It kind of irritates the lining of the large intestine. And so it promotes movement through the large intestine. This one, we usually use it as a single herb. I really can't think of any formula that has fanchie as an ingredient in a larger formula. Usually we just use it as a single herb. And again, you might not be able to read this, but the dosage is fairly small, 1.5 to 3 grams. And we prepare it um, as a tea. So this isn't something that you boil in decoction. This is something that you just take a pinch of senna leaves, uh, put it in a cup, pour some boiling water over it and let it steep, and then just drink it as a tea. And this is something like you might take it at night and then expect to have a bowel movement in the next morning. But the dosage is very variable. Just people respond differently to Fan Xieye. Both the, the amount and the steeping time can uh, affect the strength. So some people, they just need a little bit and they steep it for 30 seconds and it's really good. Some people, they need a larger dosage and they need to steep it for four or five minutes and then they're good. 
but generally we want to be careful just because if we use too large of a dosage or if we steep it for too long, that can very easily cause abdominal cramping and it's really unpleasant. So that's, we usually let the, let the patient decide. We say start out with a small pinch and see if it works. If it still doesn't work, use a larger pinch and steep it for a little bit longer and just kind of start low and build up until you notice its purgative effect. Because if you use too much, you'll have abdominal cramps and nausea and it won't be very pleasant. So that is fan xie ye. But uh, fan xie ye, we can just use it as a tea to um, promote movement through the large intestine. Again, if you go to the grocery store, a lot of times these uh, natural teas for constipation, like smooth move teas, will contain uh, fan xie ye or senna as a main ingredient. Also, a lot of times if you go into Chinese super supermarkets in the tea aisle, they have like a, a weight loss tea or a dieter's green tea or something like that, something that's marketed for weight loss. If you go and look on the ingredients, usually besides green tea, one of the main ingredients is fan xie senna leaf. So that's something either to watch out for. Basically, if you're trying to lose weight, I wouldn't recommend taking laxatives. I don't think that's a very good strategy for losing weight. But... If you're constipated and you can't find any fan xie maybe go and look for some of that diet, dieter's tea, weight loss tea, and see if it has fan xie in it. So that is fan xie senifolium. I didn't, I forgot to put it here on the slide, so you might want to write in that fan xie is contraindicated in pregnancy and it is contraindicated during breastfeeding. Again, very strong, downward, bitter nature. Probably not good to move things downward when you're pregnant. So go ahead and write that in because I forgot to put it on the slide, but it is in Bensky. The name Fan Xieye, again, Xie, this Xie, uh, it means um, to drain, but it all, the, the Xie means diarrhea or also means laxative or purgative. So Fan Xieye means foreign purgative leaf. So it's telling you exactly what it does. Fan Xieye, senifolium. And last one in our purgative category is lu hui, aloe, lu hui, aloe. And here this lu is not green. Uh, I think the lu means reed, and so it doesn't have the two dots on it. So it is, in fact, lu. I've had, or some of the other herbs like lu do, I forgot to put the two dots on top of the u, so that's lu do, but this is not. This is lu, not yu. So not lu hui, it is lu hui. Lu Hui is aloe. And when people look at this, when people get their herb sample, they pick up this thing and it's a bunch of black powdery stuff. They're like, this does not look like aloe at all. This is, I've, I have aloe plants growing in my living room. I should probably not do that because I think they're poisonous to cats. But this is not what aloe looks like. So it turns out when you use Lu Hui, when we think about aloe, we're usually using the, the gel in the middle, aloe vera gel. That's what we usually see in the West, that we can use it externally for skin burns. I think some people take it internally. I don't exactly know why. To me, it sounds like it's really cold and would damage your spleen. But um, when we use aloe, when you see aloe like in the supermarket, that's usually aloe vera gel. Lu Hui is not the aloe vera gel. Lu Hui is the latexy outer layer of the leaf and so when it's dried out it looks like that that black powdery stuff so that's what we mean when we say lu hui we do not mean aloe vera gel lu hui we mean the latexy part of the plant when we say lu hui 
So Lu Hui, like everything in this category, it purges a large intestine to relieve constipation. So that's what it does. But besides that, Lu Hui also strongly clears heat from the liver and gallbladder. So things like dizziness, headache, tinnitus, red eyes, irritability, these are all signs of liver heat. Uh, that little picture over there is supposed to be a picture of a liver on fire. I'm not sure if it actually looks like that or not. But it strongly clears liver heat. Uh, maybe you can think that aloe plants are green, and green is the color of the liver. So Lu Hui is good for liver heat. And it also kills large intestine parasites. And so we say it's mainly for internal parasites or intestinal parasites, specifically for gone accumulation. Remember, we talked about this in the deficiency heat category with herbs like yin cha hu. We talked about gone accumulation. This is childhood malnutrition. And one of the things that happens with childhood malnutrition is they can get worms. Actually, to be honest, I'm not sure which way it goes. If it's like the person, if a child is malnutritious and they develop worms because they don't have a good immune system, or if the person gets worms and now they're malnourished because they have these worms eating their food instead of actually absorbing the nutrients. Anyway. When we say gone accumulation, we're, uh, we often translate that as childhood malnutrition, but gone actually really means like worms. So that's what we're dealing with here is Lu Hui can kill those worms. Also, I'm not sure if we talked about this before, but in Chinese medicine, when we say killing parasites, we actually mean two things. When we say parasites, we can mean real parasites or internal parasites like uh, roundworm, tapeworm, pinworm. Or when we say parasites, we can mean certain skin infections, usually like fungal infections, things like hookworm, scabies, um, or athlete's foot is uh, the common one. Athletes, as we say, also use for skin conditions like tinea. Tinea is the generic name for athlete's foot. So athlete's foot is tinea pedis. It's on your foot, but you can also get that same fungus in your armpit or in your groin or in different places on your body. So just tinea. So Lu Hui can, it's mostly, mostly used for those internal large intestine parasites, but we can also use it for uh, parasites as in fungus infections as well. So, um, so this could be very convenient. We especially use Lu Hui when we want to combine two or more of these functions together. So if a person has constipation and they have parasites, use Lu Hui because you're getting both at once. If the person has constipation due to heat and that constipation is being caused by liver gallbladder heat, use Lu Hui. You're getting both at once. Otherwise, I'm not sure that Lu Hui is very, very commonly used. But what we should say, um, taste and temperature, it is cold and bitter like everything in this category. The dosage is smaller than usual. And we should notice that in its cooking instruction, it's not used in decoction. Uh, Lu Hui is only used in powders or pills. Basically, remember, Lu Hui is like latex. If you try to cook it in decoction, nothing's going to happen. It's like boiling a piece of rubber. So instead, what we have to do is you have to grind it up and either put it in a pill or just swallow the entire powder. So that's how we use Lu Hui. And... I'm not sure if I put it on here, but I think we say that Lu Hui is contraindicated during pregnancy and breastfeeding, or at least use caution during breastfeeding because, again, that's the purgative effect can come out through the breast milk. So I didn't put a little, uh, little emoji there of a pregnant woman, but Lu Hui is also contraindicated during pregnancy 
and either contraindicated or use caution during breastfeeding. And then I have a note down here that this, this is something uh, my Chinese teacher told me once. I haven't, I haven't actually seen this in the books, but something one of my Chinese teachers told me once is that Lu Hui is very strong in its actions. It's very strong at purging the large intestine. It's very strong at clearing heat. So you usually use it as a last resort. You'd usually use it when other herbs haven't worked very well. And then it's like, oh, we need to bring out the big guns. Then we go to Lu Hui. So that's just something one of my Chinese teachers told me. But I'm not sure that it actually comes up in the books. But I will say that in all of our formulas, um, at least all of the NCCM formulas and going through Bensky or Volkerscheid, I have not seen Lu Hui come up in any formula. So... I think it's it's only in special cases. Normally, we'd use other types of purgatives. So that is Lu Hui Aloe, and that is the last of our purgatives. After that, we move into moist laxatives. Moist laxatives, like the name implies, these are moist, and they're laxative. And so, like we said, these are oily seeds or nuts that they have these oils in them that lubricate the large intestine and they allow the stool to come out. So this is especially good for constipation due to dryness. We're moistening the dryness or constipation in elderly, deficient, um, weaker patients. And so while the purgatives have a very strong action of attacking and pushing the stool out, moist laxatives are much more gentle. So they're more suitable for our weak elderly patients. But also Da Huang, because of their strong action, they work relatively quickly. With our moist laxatives, we might be taking the herbs for a couple days, a couple weeks, before, and we'll gradually notice some improvement. It's not like you take it and pff, you have a bowel movement right away. This is you notice some gradual improvement over time as you're slowly moistening or lubricating the large intestine. Uh, I had some students uh, one semester that there were, there was one student in particular that she really hated the word moist. And so I had to make sure to use the word moist as often as possible. I think I've maybe made a joke about it in, about, in some of the other videos about moist. I feel like lubricate sounds just as bad. Or like, oh, we're going to lubricate the large intestine. Was... Anyway, moist laxatives. Moist laxatives are actually sweet in flavor. So with our purgatives, we use the bitter flavor to have a strong downward action. Here we're using the sweet flavor because the sweet flavor tonifies and moistens. So we're still treating constipation, but our way of going about it is completely different. So we're using the sweet flavor to moisten the large intestine, take that dry stool and make it more moist, Take that uh, dry large intestine and lubricate the large intestine, lubricate the colon so that stuff can slide out much easier. Uh, most of these are neutral in temperature, so that's convenient because whether we have a heat condition or a cold condition, we can use it either way. So besides being sweet in flavor, they tend to be neutral in temperature. Channel, of course, is a large intestine because we're lubricating the large intestine. We're dealing with constipation in the large intestine. So it makes sense that these herbs enter the large intestine channel. No real cautions or contraindications. Like with our purgatives, like everything was contraindicated during pregnancy. These, because they're sweet and neutral, um, they're fairly safe to use. So we don't really have to worry about anything. Maybe sometimes if you use large amounts, people might have trouble digesting the oil, but really no huge cautions and contraindications. And again, these moist laxatives moisten the large intestine. They lubricate the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. 
So we only have a couple herbs in here. We only have two. I'm not sure the second one comes up very much, but the first one is very famous. Huomaren. Huomaren is cannabis semen. Huomaren, cannabis semen or hemp seed. I was, that was kind of funny when, like, when people would like tour the school, sometimes they would go into the herb room and one of the jars on the shelf right in front of the herb room was Huomar and it said cannabis semen. So I think that kind of freaked out some of the people that they would, they would be like tour this hippie school and they come and it's like, oh, cannabis semen? Why do you have a jar of cannabis semen? That's a school I want to go to. Um, so Huomar is a hemp seed. And basically uh, we say hemp because this is um, – this is hemp like like the fiber. This is not hemp like the THC. So uh, the kind we get, the kind that's important to America, has been all its uh, THC content has been destroyed. So this is not um, – this is just hemp. So hemp it moistens the large intestine to relieve constipation. Again, this is hemp seed. It's a seed. The, these seeds have a lot of oils. So those oils lubricate the large intestine. So that that uh, hard stool can just slide right out. Or it moistens the stool and eliminates dryness to help relieve the constipation. So this is especially useful for dry constipation. I mean, we're moistening, so it's good for dry constipation. But especially due to yin deficiency or blood deficiency. So it turns out both yin deficiency and blood deficiency are characterized by dryness. And so it's common in both. So... With uh, yin deficiency, think about like a, a, a perimenopausal woman, someone with hot flashes, night sweats, their tongue is red, has a lot of cracks, uh, dry, pulse is thin and rapid. They, they just don't have a lot of yin fluids, and that includes in the large intestine, the stools dry out, and so they end up with constipation. We use something that moistens. But we can have the same thing with blood deficiency. So especially like it's very common to have constipation postpartum. Giving birth really depletes the body of a lot of blood. So a lot of uh, women after giving birth, they're blood deficient. They have postpartum depression because they're blood deficient. They also have constipation because they're blood deficient. So this would work really well for um, there's not enough blood nourishing or moistening the large intestine. So we can use Huomaren to moisten the large intestine. And again, because it's neutral in temperature, whether it's a hot or cold condition, we don't care. We can use it either way. So this is especially useful for constipation after a febrile disease. I, again, I think we talked about this when we talked about the warm acrid or the cool acrid release the exterior category when we talked about neobangza, arctii fructus, neobangza burdock seed. Besides, it releases the exterior. It's good for venting rashes. It's good for treating sore throat because it's a seed. It also moistens the large intestine to relieve constipation. So this can be really convenient that if you have an external attack of wind heat, it could be that that wind heat dries up some of the fluids. So we use these oily seeds to gently moisten the large intestine to relieve constipation. So that's why we say this is good for after febrile disease. Maybe you had a wind heat attack and it dried out some of your fluids, and now we need to moisten your large intestine. It's good for elderly people because elderly people tend to be yin deficient or blood deficient. And elderly people, maybe they can't handle the strong purgative effects of things like dahuang. So we take a gentler approach. So huomaren is perfect for that. And for postpartum women, again, we want to take a, a gentler approach because we're dealing with deficient people. So huomaren, very good to gently relieve constipation. 
And then number two, Bensky puts us in there. He puts us as a separate function of Huomaren nourishes yin. Yeah, it does. And he'll say it nourishes yin, especially for constipation with yin deficiency. I kind of feel like this goes along with moistens the large intestine. It's, they kind of go together. Basically, you can use Huomaren when you have constipation due to yin deficiency because Huomaren moistens. We can also say that Huomaren is good for clearing heat and healing sores. So as far as like mouth sores due to stomach heat, this is mild. I'm not sure we do that very much, but it's technically a function. Really, I think Huomaren, it's moist laxative, it's moist, and it's laxative. So again, look at the taste and temperature. It's sweet in flavor because we're moistening. It's sweet in flavor because it's tonifying and moistening, and that's something that the sweet flavor does. It's also neutral in temperature. Again, we can use it for hot or cold. Dosage is a little bit larger than average, but what we really need to pay attention to is a special cooking instruction is we need to crush it before we cook it. Basically, huomaren is a seed. It has a very hard shell. And so if we don't, if we just boil the seed, this hard shell is there and we can't access those oils. So we need to crush it first. Uh, this, 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 this motion is supposed to be a mortar and pestle. You crush it with a mortar and pestle, and that breaks through that shell so that we can uh, and releases the oils. Or more likely, just get a coffee grinder. Uh, you don't you don't need one of those industrial herb grinders that they use to grind renchen into powder. Just just get a, a coffee a ten dollar coffee grinder and buzz it a few times in the coffee coffee grinder, and that will break up some of those shells. But this is a very common thing to do. That we're going to see this with a lot of seeds, like anything that ends in z or zhen is a seed, and it's very common that we're going to want to crush it first because of this hard outer shell. So huomaren, we definitely have to remember to do this. Um, before we cook it. Otherwise, we won't get those oils that lubricate the large intestine. We won't get those oils that moisten and make the stool nice and moist so it just slides right out. I forgot to mention it. Um, put something special here, but at the bottom, we do have some, a slight caution that overuse of Huomaren can either cause upset stomach or it can cause some Shen problems like agitation and irritability. I don't, I don't think you're going to like straight up hallucinate, but it can cause some agitation and irritability. Really, this is only going to happen if you eat large amounts of it and if you eat large amounts of it raw. I think if you stick to this dosage range, there's no chance of that happening. I would say that Huomaren is pretty safe. And this actually... I feel like this uh, this recently became, maybe not recently, but like 10 years ago, there was a fad of hemp seed where people were taking hemp seed as a supplement. It was like a superfood. And so rather than just um, um, boiling the decoction, they would actually take entire ground up hemp seed and, and um, take the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it turns out people like take tablespoons of this every day and they're totally fine. So I feel like, uh, cooking and decoction, you shouldn't really have to worry about it, but just know that this is a thing that if you start eating large amounts of, uh, cannabis semen, that you might end up having some problems from too much cannabis semen. Huo ma ren, huo means fire. So like in the five phases, uh, earth, fire, wind, metal, water. Uh, huo is uh, fire. Um, 
Ma means hemp and ren means seed or kernel. What's the difference between a seed and a kernel? I don't know. I think ren just means seed. So huomaren, fire, hemp, seed. Anyway, so hemp, we've seen that word before with uh, words like uh, ma huang was yellow hemp. Now we have another sheng uh, ma uh, was ascending hemp. Kamiki fugai or a uh, black kohosh, sheng ma, ascending hemp. Now we have another hemp. We have huo ma ren, uh, fire hemp seed. Next is yi li ren, pruny semen, yi li ren. Pruny semen. This is bush cherry seed. Uh, it has a common name, but it's something I've never heard of. Some sort of bush cherry seed or something like that. Um, basically, it's the same as Walmart. Uh, it moistens the large intestine to relieve constipation. If we wanted to say anything special, we could say Bensky, I think, specifically says something about constipation due to chi stagnation. Maybe that we would say something that stands out. But basically, usually ren, it's pretty much the same as huomaren, where we're just, um, it's a seed, it's oily. So those oils lubricate or moisten the large intestine to treat constipation. You can also promote urination to treat edema, but yeah, we have a whole category of herbs that do that. You're probably not going to use usually ren. You would probably just use this if you're also trying to moisten the large intestine at the same time. So I would say it's pretty much just the same as Huomaren. Sometimes we use them. Sometimes you see formulas and they have Huomaren. Sometimes you see formulas and they have Uliren, and I'm not sure there is a reason why. I think it's just whatever they had at the time. Uh, but same thing, we need to crush it before decocting. So it's another seed that we need to crush it or pound it with a mortar and pestle so that we can get the oils that lubricate the large intestine. We need that moistness and that lubrication so we have to crush our herbs first. Ili ren, um, li means plum. So I want to say ili ren means like constrained plum seed. So again, I don't know what that is, but li, that character li means uh, plum. And this is actually a very common Chinese last name. So like Bruce Li, that what's, that's what it was. It's this character for plum. So that ili ren is constrained plum seed. I just know that uh, things that end in ren tend to be seeds that are oily in nature that gently relieve constipation. So that's yuli ren, and those are two um, moist laxatives, or huoma ren, hemp seed, and yuli ren, pruny semen. After that, we get into harsh expellents. And again, like we said, these herbs are harsh, and they expel. What do they expel? Usually water. So these harsh expellents are not about treating constipation. They're about getting rid of water. They're about getting rid of water through the large intestine. These are herbs that make you pee out your butt. Um, apparently, uh, the urethra just doesn't have the throughput capacity to get rid of water that quickly, so we have to resort to the large intestine, get that water out through the large intestine. So these herbs uh, are toxic. We don't use them very often. We only use them in extreme cases. And when we do use them, we use them in very small doses because they're toxic. And again, sometimes when we say toxic in Chinese medicine, sometimes when we say toxic, we mean like, oh, if you take too much, you might have an upset stomach. Uh, when we say harsh expellents are toxic, we mean more like you will die of kidney failure. So when we say toxic, we, we really mean toxic. 
So they're toxic. The temperature tends to be cold. I say cold or hot because everyone is cold except for the last one, which is hot in temperature, but they're usually cold in temperature. The entering channels are interesting here. We have the large intestine, of course, because we're moving things through the large intestine, but we also say kidney and lung. Why do we say kidney and lung? Because these organs have something to do with water metabolism. The lung regulates the water passages. The kidney is responsible for transforming water. So when we're, because we're trying to drain water out of the body, it makes sense that they enter the kidney and lung channel as well. So cautions and contraindications, these are toxic. So you use a very small dosage. Sometimes they're going to be like 0.1 to 0.3 grams. You use a small dosage. And because they're toxic, probably don't want to use them during pregnancy or during breastfeeding. Or if we're trying to uh, drastically make water come out your butt, probably want to make sure your patient is strong enough to handle them or the situation is dire enough that it warrants the use of these herbs. And again, the main action is we're purging water accumulation. And we're not just talking about like, oh, my legs are a little bit swollen. I got some, I got some pitting edema in my legs. When we say water accumulation, we're usually talking about water accumulation in the upper body. Things like pleurisy and ascites, where you have water accumulation around the lung and you can't breathe. Or you have water accumulation in the liver, pleurisy, ascites, usually more severe question, um, situations like that. And so with these herbs, I actually, I don't want to say a whole lot about these herbs because, I mean, when I was in school, they were on the syllabus, so we had to learn them, but they're not on the NCCOM list of herbs. Uh, when we get to formulas, we there's a section of formulas. There's a harsh expellent formula category, but none of those formulas are on the NCCOM list. I think it's very unusual that you will use these herbs in clinic. So I would say by and large, you want to know that these herbs belong to this category and this is what the category does. So when you see things like gan sui, da ji, ba do, just know that they belong to the harsh expellent category and know that this is a category that we're not necessarily trying to treat constipation. We're getting water out of the body. So these we'll probably just mention quickly, but I mean, it's like if you're reviewing for NCCOM, these herbs, I'm these herbs are not on the NCCOM list, and the if you're studying NCCOM formulas, these herbs don't show up in formulas because I'm not sure we can even use very many of them. But for historical perspective and for education, we can say a few things about them. The first one is Gansue, Kansue Radix. So that's really convenient that the when the Latin name matches the Chinese name, Gansue. Uh, Gansue, we have this note at the bottom that uh, Bensky says, this is a violent, cathartic herb that causes one to pass water anally. And that kind of sums up the actions of our harsh expellent herbs, that they're violent and they cause you to pass water anally. So uh, the function here, this is, this is kind of funny. So I say induces watery diarrhea to treat edema. So if you look in the books, the, the main action is going to be something like um, strongly drains water or drives out water or expels water. But when I was in school, my Chinese teacher worded it this way, induces watery diarrhea to treat edema. And so I think that's a, a very a more descriptive way. And it kind of reminds us that we're not using these herbs to treat constipation. We're using these herbs to get rid of water. And so this is for severe fluid accumulation in the chest and abdomen. Again, we're talking about like pleurisy, ascites, or for edema all over. But again, this is going to be like pretty severe edema that we want that water to come out your butt. Um, it can also drain out phlegm. So when we said um, 
downward draining herbs break up accumulations. Here we're talking about accumulations of water or accumulations of phlegm. And again, this is like a, a very severe situation where you're having like seizures and shen problems. Again, if we're going to make you pee out your butt, this better be a, better be worth it. Use topically to reduce swelling. I'm not sure I've ever seen Gansway use that way, but technically it's a thing. So Gansway, it's very cold. It's toxic. And notice the dosage is 0.5 to 1.5 grams. So because it's toxic, we use a very small dosage. Qian niuzi, qian niuzi, forbidditous semen. Qian niuzi. Qian niuzi is morning glory seed. I guess this is a thing in the West, but people seem to know what that is. Qian niuzi, morning glory seed. And so again, uh, drains water. We're talking about severe accumulation of fluids, but this one is interesting. It drains water and promotes urination. So we're really getting rid of those fluids. They're coming out both the front and the back. Um, so we're not only uh, clearing water through the large intestine and causing you to pass water anally, we're also doing it through the front as well. So we have both the anterior and posterior yin orifices at play. Especially for edema um, in the lung, like ascites. Also, again, drives out phlegm and also kills large intestine parasites. So again, this can be kind of useful that... Um, it's killing the parasites, but then it also is helping expel the dead parasites out. So it's kind of like we're doing both. But again, Qian Niuzi, um, this one we say is only slightly toxic. Um, so we say three to six grams. Um, or you can use just swallow it as a powder, 1.5 to 3 grams as a powder. So this one is slightly less toxic than the others, but still contraindicated during pregnancy. Da Ji. Oh, maybe I should go back here. Qian Yotza, the name is kind of interesting. I believe the name is Bensky translated as cowherd seed. So Nyo means cow or ox, like Nyo Bangza. Um, and so we say cowherd seed, but actually um, Qian Nyo is the name of uh, a cowherd, a cowherder, but it's from a story. Uh, the cow herder and the weaving maiden. And so it's this Chinese uh, story with these two characters. Uh, it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet forbidden love that these two people were in love, but then they had to be separated to opposite sides of the Milky Way. So there's a star named the cow herder, Qian Yu, and there's another star named the weaving maiden. And so I think that's what it's named after. And I'm assuming that this is, there's something about the plant that that's why it's named this way. I don't think that uh, having water come out both your butt and your urethra is has anything to do with that story. Um, anyway, cowherd seed, morning glory seed, qian yotza. Da ji, noxiae or euphorbiae radix, noxiae, euphorbiae, da ji. The reason we have a, a hyphen in here is because there's actually two different types of da ji. And uh, one of them is noxia and one of them is euphorbia. I think in this note down here, I talk about the difference between hong daji and um, capital daji, um, jing daji. So apparently they're different. We just call them daji. And again, it induces watery diarrhea. 
to treat edema. Again, we're talking about things in the upper body. It's toxic. It has a small dosage because it's toxic. It's contraindicated in pregnancy. So that's dodgy. And I guess the only confusing thing here is when it come when we get into the invigorate blood category or the stop bleeding category, we have another herb called dodgy that um, uh, Japaniki Circe Radix. There's another herb called dodgy, but the characters are different. So it sounds similar, but it's different characters and just don't get those too confused. But probably when you say see dodgy, you're going to um, you're going to assume it's the other one, not this one the stop bleeding one. That's dodgy. Bado, bado, crotonus fructus, croton seed. Bado, bado, um, I think what's special, if we want to say anything special about bado, is bado is hot in temperature. Notice when you looked at all these other ones, dodgy, Cold in temperature, Chianyotsa, cold in temperature, Gansui, cold in temperature. So Ba Do stands out that it's hot in temperature and it's good for draining cold stagnation downward. So constipation, abdominal fullness, and pain due to cold. And that's kind of interesting that we haven't seen a lot of constipation due to cold so far. So maybe that's what makes Ba Do stand out is that it's hot and good for cold stagnation. Also drives out watery tension in the chest and abdomen. So again, we're talking about pleurisy and ascites. And this says it's good for end-stage schistosomiasis. For end-stage schistosomiasis, which is a type of parasitic worm. Uh, I think schistosomiasis also has a common name like blood fluke. Anyway, it's a type of parasite. The only reason I know what it is is because there was a YouTuber I followed that it turns out he had schistosomiasis. It was like some condition where he was vomiting 10 or 15 times a day for several years and nobody could figure out what was wrong with him. He went to all these specialists, all these gastrointestinal specialists, and nobody could figure out what was wrong with him until finally he went to this one specialist and she was like, have you ever been to Africa or the Middle East? And he was like, oh yeah, I, I was. Uh, doing some stuff with the government over there and like traipsing around in swamps and like going underwater in boggy swamps and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, you probably have this parasite. And so it was kind of funny that he'd like gone around for years in America and nobody could diagnose him. But then they were like, if you had walked into a, a clinic in Africa, they would have recognized this right away. So anyway, schistosomiasis, probably not something you're going to see very commonly in America. And, uh, Probably don't give them Bado. Why don't you give them Bado? Because it's super toxic. Look, the dosage is 0.1 to 0.3 grams. Bado is very toxic. Uh, usually, when you use Bado, it has to go through a processing. They call it um, Bado Shuang, which means defatted Bado, that basically they take the seeds and put it between layers of paper towel and bake it. And so that uh, sucks some of the oils out and we discard it. So it's kind of drawing out some of the to those toxic oils. Even then, it's still toxic. And I think we said uh, 20 drops of Bado oil will cause you to die. Um, that says, traditionally, this is regarded as the herbal equivalent of a battering ram. So again, not gentle herbs. These are harsh and they expel. So that's Bado. So again, 
I'm not sure you need to know a whole lot about these herbs. Again, I would just know what do we mean by harsh expellent and know that these herbs belong to the category harsh expellents. But one of the important things that we might need to know is if you remember in the very beginning, we talked about combinations of herbs. We talked about mutual reinforcement, mutual enhancement, mutual blah, blah, blah. One of the things we talked about was this idea of the 18 incompatible herbs. When we say the 18 incompatible herbs, we talk about mutual incompatibility. What we mean is when we combine two herbs and that combination creates side effects that were not present in either herb alone, that's what we mean by mutual incompatibility. Um, so we had like mutual antagonism, that was just one herb canceled out the effects of the other herb. With mutual incompatibility, it's like these herbs combined together to create new side effects that did not exist before. <clears throat> and so we talk about the 18 incompatible herbs. What we really mean here is all of these herbs add up to 18. We really only care about the three groups of 18 incompatible herbs. So we have a group of herbs that's incompatible with Gansau, a group of herbs that's incompatible with Futsa, and a group of herbs that's incompatible with Lilu. Who uses Lilu anyway? I don't know. But um, the important thing to point out here is when we talk about 18 incompatible herbs and the ones that are incompatible with Gansau, three of these four belong to this category harsh expellents. So Gansway is incompatible with Gansau. If you put Gansway and Gansau together, something worse is going to happen than that would happen with Gansui alone. Daji, Yuanhua is one that we didn't talk about here, but it's in this category. So that's just something to know uh, about maybe something to emphasize here with harsh expellents is when you talk about 18 incompatible herbs, the ones that are incompatible with Gansau are harsh expellents. And honestly, I'm not sure that this whole 18 incompatibility thing is true. Um, basically people have gone back and it's like there are no reported side effects of combining these herbs. Um, like especially like Heitzau is just like a type of seaweed. Why would Heitzau and licorice, why would that create side effects? There's no documented cases of side effects. And I think I read something that like in the, in the Grand Materia Medica back in the 70s when they updated it, they took out this restriction of the 18 incompatible herbs. Or they, they took out the restriction of Gonsau plus Heitzau at least because that does, I think that does show up in some formulas. But on tests, I think I've usually always gotten one or two questions about 18 incompatible herbs, either which herbs are incompatible with Gonsau or which herbs are incompatible with Futsa. So that is something that at least when I took, took tests, that was a topic that did come up, just one or two questions. So that might, might be something to know, but just Gansau, 18 Kimbell Earths, it just so happens most of these belong to the harsh expellent category. So that's something we can say about harsh expellents. So maybe this is useful, maybe it's not, but sometimes I think it's fun to talk about formulas. If you're in single herb class, you don't need to know formulas, but sometimes it's kind of fun to see how these herbs work together with some other ones we uh, learn. So well, one of our major formula for constipation is Da Cheng Chi Tong, major order of the Qi decoction. And this is our main formula for Yang Ming organ or Yang Ming bowel disorder. So things like constipation, abdominal pain that worsens with pressure. That's how we know we're dealing with an excess condition is because the pain is worse with pressure. Focal distension and abdominal fullness. Focal distension means there's distension focused in the epigastrium. 
tense and firm abdomen. So you got all this heat and stuff bound up in the stomach and large intestines. Um, look at all this stuff. Dry yellow or dry black coat with prickles. That sounds like a lot of heat. A submerged or deep pulse. The pulse is deep because we're dealing with an interior condition. When we have an exterior attack, the pulse is floating. Exterior attack, the pulse is at the exterior. When we have an internal condition, we feel the pulse deep in the body. So the pulse is reflecting it. And it's an excess pulse because it's an excess condition. Anyway, turns out uh, this is a very simple formula. And we combine our two major purgatives, Da Huang plus Mang Xiao, to purge the large intestine. So on the one hand, we're treating the constipation, but we're also getting rid of all this heat, this heat bind this, uh, that we can see in the tongue and pulse. So that, that was an example of one of our major purgative formulas. Again, it's very common to see Da Huang and Mang Xiao used together because Mang Xiao is the salt. It draws in water and softens the, school, the stool. Da Huang is the general that pushes it out. Da Huang Fu Tong. This one is just kind of interesting because this is for constipation due to cold. So you have things like abdominal pain, uh, and constipation, but then we also have signs of cold, like chills, cold hands and feet, a greasy, uh, white greasy coat, doesn't really look like heat, and a, a deep, tight pulse. Remember he said a tight pulse is a sign of excess cold. So this is kind of interesting that we actually have constipation due to coldness. How do we do it? Well, um, we still use Da Huang as our purgative, but remember Da Huang is really cold. If a person has a cold condition, you don't want to give them a cold herb. So what we do is we use Futsa and Xi Xin to warm the interior. So Futsa is aconite, it's in the warm the interior category. It's one of our three hot herbs, one of the hottest herbs. Xi Xin, we learned that in the uh, warm acid release the exterior. Some books put it in warm acid release the exterior. Some books put it in the warm the interior category. But either way, it's basically like person's got constipation, so we're going to use Da Huang. What? Oh, this constipation is due to cold. We can't give them a cold herb. So let's just throw in some herbs that warm the interior. And so here we're using Da Huang to treat constipation due to coldness by combining it with these warm herbs. So that's just kind of interesting. But again, Da Huang, big herb for constipation. When it comes to moistening, this is a, um, a formula I might see used a lot. Rune Chang Wan, moisten the intestines pill. And we see that our chief herb is Huomaren, uh, hemp seed. So Huomaren, then we have Tauren is um, peach pit. I get apricot and peach mixed up all the time. Uh, but it's another seed that it's a, it's a ren, it's a seed, so it has oils that moisten the large intestine. Even though its main action is about invigorating blood, because it's a seed, it has those oils that moisten the large intestine. So this is an example of constipation due to dry intestines. So we have constipation, but then we also have lusterless skin and nails, because you don't got enough fluids. Dry mouth, because you're dry and you don't got enough fluids unquenchable thirst because you're dry and you don't got enough fluids. The tongue is dry. The pulse is thin because there's not enough fluids to um, fill up the vessel. So this is constipation due to dryness. And look at that. We're using huomaren to moisten the large intestine, huomaren to lubricate the large intestine, to gently relieve constipation. So this is an example of constipation due to dryness. And huomaren is our chief herb. And matzo renwan, this is another one that you'll actually see used very commonly in clinic. 
And this one is really interesting because it actually it like started out as a, a it's a Zhong Zhong Jing formula. I'm, I'm assuming either Shang Han Lun or uh, Jing Wei Yalue. But it's a Zhong Zhong Jing formula that was originally for a pattern he called spleen bind when there's heat dryness blocking the movement of fluids and stagnating the qi. Turns out ZZJ wasn't very descriptive about what he meant by spleen bind and I'm not sure we use it in that way anymore. Uh, I think the reason we use it nowadays, it comes up a lot, is we're basically we're using a combined strategy of on the one hand, we're using these moistening, tonifying herbs like huomaren, but also xingzhen is another seed that's oily, baishao is uh, tonifying. So we're using these moistening herbs plus those purgative herbs. So we're kind of taking the, a dual strategy of we're moistening the large intestine to gently relieve constipation, but then we're adding in a little bit of extra oomph with our dahong to push things out. So this is something that you actually might see very commonly used in clinic, not necessarily that you'll be diagnosing a lot of patients with spleen bind, but when you see constipation, a lot of people, this is their go-to formula, and it just has this um, combined uh, strategy of moistening and purging. So this is something that still because it has like Da Huang Huopo Jershur, these are very strong downward moving herbs. We still want to make sure that the patient is strong enough to handle them. And it could be that sometimes people might start out with this just to get the ball rolling that we're moistening the large intestine, but we're also moving things out. But then as we progress through a week or two weeks, then we might switch over to like Rune Chang Wan and take out these purgatives and just focus on moistening. So sometimes we just use this to give it a little bit extra oomph to push that shit out. So uh, just a review of all these herbs, we had three categories. We had the purgatives, the moist laxatives, and the harsh expellents. The purgatives strongly purge the large intestine. They're cold and bitter. They have a strong downward action to purge the large intestine. They're cold and bitter because they also clear heat. So Da Huang rhubarb root was our big one that it purges the large intestine. It's very good for Yang Ming organ disorder. It also strongly invigorates blood. It also, it can be used to stop bleeding in term, different heat clearing properties of it. And it can also be used for some damp conditions like Lin syndrome and jaundice. Mang Xiao, natri sulfis. Mang Xiao is globber salt. It's a type of salt, so it softens hardness. It softens hard stool. We often use them together, Da Huang plus Mang Xiao, like we saw in the formula. Fan Chie Ye is senna leaf. This is also a fairly strong purgative, but we usually just use it as a tea, as a single herb. The, the patient will choose their own dosage. Lu Hui is aloe, but it's not aloe vera gel. Lu Hui is the latexy part of the aloe plant. It also purges a large intestine, but remember aloe is green. Green is the color of the liver, so Lu, um, Lu Hui also clears liver heat, and it kills parasites. And this is one that we have to um, use in a pill. We don't, we don't cook it because it's latex. You don't cook latex. So nothing's going to come out of it. And then just remember, and all of these are contraindicated in pregnancy, and they're either contraindicated or use caution in breastfeeding. So the purgatives are very strong. You're attacking. Don't attack someone who's pregnant. Next, we have our moist laxatives. They're moist and they're laxative. These are seeds. They're oily. They lubricate the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. And 
that's what they are. I think the other thing to remember about these is they're neutral in temperature and we have to crush them first. Because they're seeds, we have to crush them to get through the hard outer shell to deal um, in order to get the oils to lubricate the large intestine. And then the last ones are harsh expellents. And just remember that harsh expellents, they're harsh, meaning they're toxic. We use a small dosage and they expel. When we say they expel, they expel water. These cause one to pass water anally. These are the herbal equivalent of a battering ram. We don't use them lightly. Um, we're using them for serious conditions like pleurisy, ascites, drum distension, and things like that. So um, I'd say just just know those. If you want to know anything, maybe know that ba do is the one that's hot in temperature, so it's good for cold stagnation. But all the other ones are more for like um, water and phlegm, getting those out of the body. So that is downward draining herbs. That's a review of the category downward draining herbs. If you want to follow along with the slides, those are available online at the website tcmstudy.net under the Herbology 1 tab. You can download the slides and follow along. There are also flashcards there if you prefer to print things out on note cards. There's going to be, I don't have a practice test yet. There's going to be a practice test up uh, this weekend, so you can check back for that. As always, special thank you to the Patreon members for supporting the channel, the website. These videos are brought to you thanks to the support of viewers like you, so we appreciate any support or donations. Thank you to those people. If you'd like to contribute, there are links in the description below. Also, when we go through these categories, we've been doing live streams of each category. When you go through these, we're kind of going through the category in a lot of detail, so it took us an hour and a half to get through this category. If you are just reviewing for uh, finals or year-ends and you just want something that kind of quickly reviews each of the herbs and just touches on the important points, there is a paid course, a review course. There are links to that in the description below. There's uh, one course that goes over all of the single herbs. This just goes through all of the herbs and all of the categories and kind of touches on them a little bit more quickly, not so in-depth. There's also a formula review course that goes through all of the formulas on the NCCM formula list. So that's another option. And that also helps support the website and make sure I can keep doing this and I can afford all the uh, the equipment and software that it takes to do this. So thank you for being here. We're coming up next time is going to be herbs that drain dampness. So that's going to be the next one. We will see you then. Thanks for being here. I will see you next time.